Well, good morning. My name is Russell. I am one of the church planting residents uh, here, and uh, we're going to do a a little something different. We're going to take a break from John this morning and talk about the spiritual practice of gratitude. And so I want to read a scripture this morning from Colossians chapter 3. Uh, We'll be looking at verses 12 through 17. It's going to be on the screen. And what Paul is doing here, um, prior to our our text that I'm going to read, he's, he's talking about what the old you is like. And he's giving you a picture of what you were, what you once looked like, and he's he's giving us a picture of what um, a, a putting on um, the the Christ likeness looks like. And so, Colossians chapter three, verses uh, twelve through seventeen says this: Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. But above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. So, Father, we come to you, and I, um, I would just sing that song to you that um, your Holy Spirit is welcome here, and I just pray that you would rest in this place. Uh, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing, and uh, if any wisdom that I have to impart, give it to me now, Father. And um, we come to be formed and shaped and loved by you and allow us to do that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So there's this moment at Thanksgiving dinner that makes me cringe, and um, some of you might have this too. When you're sitting, you're, you're having this natural conversation, you know, like your food is beginning to digest, your plate is clear, and then someone chimes in and they said, shouldn't we just share what we're thankful for? Am I a jerk? Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. I hate this moment. It feels, it feels forced. It feels tense. It just feels a little bit unnatural. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I wish I wasn't in the room when it happened. And in this text, what Paul is doing is he's actually inviting us into a life of gratitude. It's not a practice uh, that we as a culture have put into one day. But it's something he's commanding us to do 365 days out of the year. And so it's important to ask, well, what then is gratitude? Like, if I'm supposed to be doing this all the time, what is it? Uh, Gratitude comes from the Latin um, uh, gratia, which means grace or graciousness. In the Greek, grace and thankfulness actually have the same root word, which is charis. And so in verse 17, Paul says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, to God the Father through him. And so I, as I understand this, and he begins to even talk about having uh, thankfulness in your hearts as you sing these songs, as I understand it, it seems as though gratitude is something that you begin to feel or experience. And maybe you've even had one of those over the last couple of days, a moment where you say, I just felt grateful. I felt like I should respond to that. And then Thanksgiving then is a response. It's, it's putting that gratitude into action by giving thanks. And so I would say that gratitude is actually a spiritual practice of affirming life's 
graces. And so we're looking at things and we're responding, right? Gratitude comes as a response to something, always. You're grateful for something. You respond to it by saying, thank you. Thank, thank, thank you for my family. Thank you for this food that, that is put in front of me. And I would even go as far to say that the work of a Christian is actually gratitude. Why is that? Well, if the essence of God, the, the very identity and being of God is grace, that's who God is, then the essence of a Christian must be responding to that in gratitude. Okay, well, what then are we responding to? Verse 17 says that, uh, Paul says that we are to give thanks to God for Jesus. Well, what has Christ done? Christ has put on flesh. He came downstairs. That's what we're getting ready to celebrate in this Christmas season, that God became man. What did he do next? He, uh, Scripture says, lived a perfect life. Okay? Well, what, what happens after that? After he lived a perfect life, he died a perfect death. This is what the Scriptures are telling us that God has done for us in Christ. And so what is gratitude then? Gratitude is us responding to what God has done for us in Christ. And so as we look at this, this idea today, it's important to understand you and I are responding in gratitude to something. Well, what is that something? That something is the gospel, right? And if you've been around here for any length of time, you've been hearing about this idea of the gospel. What is the gospel? And I, and I love that uh, I've, I've been around uh, Renaissance for about a year now, and Every week, in some form or another, we have uh, us talking about this idea, ruminating in some way through the scriptures, this idea of the gospel. So what does Jordan say the gospel is? Jordan always says, the gospel is unconditional love to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. This is what you and I respond to as Christians in gratitude to. This is the, the foundational reason that we are to practice gratitude at all. And so if the essence of God is grace, and you and I are supposed to be responding to this message, where's their shortcomings? Like, why does Paul have to remind us of these things over and over again? If we just did them, he wouldn't really need to tell us about them, right? So maybe it's like this. Say, say you went to a car dealership and you got a new car. Uh, you went and you got a Honda Civic. It's exciting, right? A, a brand new car. You're driving at home and you're thinking to yourself like, this is, this is great, a new car. And maybe you even get that new car smell and you're like, wow, this is great. When does that go away? Maybe a week and a half, two weeks, and then you're just kind of like, this is my car, you know? Okay, I'll give you a month, okay? But that's about it. And not to mention, you're not like, wow, thank you, Honda, for this car. You know, you're like getting in contact with Honda's team and you're like, thank you guys so much for my car. This has just been incredible. I just want to express my gratitude to you. No, right? You don't, you don't do that. Not to mention, you don't do that because you probably feel in some way or another that you earned that car, right? Like, I deserve this, or I paid for it, or I'm going to continue to pay for it for the next five years, right? But what if I came to your house, um, and I would love to do this, I can't, but what if I came to your house and I honked my, my horn outside of your new car, and I said, come downstairs, and you come outside, and I throw you the keys to your new Honda Civic? What would you do? I'd hope that you'd be grateful to me, right? You would have gratitude. You might freak out. You might say, this is amazing. This is incredible. I have a new car. Thank you. You'd be jumping up and down. You'd probably give me a hug, right? Why? Because you're responding in 
gratitude. You're understanding that something was a gift and you're thankful. You're not thankful if it's not a gift, right? But in the same way, if the cross of Jesus Christ is free, you can't, you can't earn it. And so how do we respond? We respond in gratitude. But, but some of us are still treating this thing called grace like it's on loan to us. And, and, and most of us are still in this, this works mode. We, we have no idea actually how to rest in it. And, and then, and then we, we go, you know what? I'm just not doing very good at this, right? I, like, I yelled at my wife this week. I only read my Bible once. I cut some corners. And so I'm just failing at what it means to be a Christian. And this is a mistake in, in understanding what Christianity is all about, in understanding that unconditional love is given to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. Now, why would I spend time talking about the gospel right away? It's like this heady concept. It's this thing that, you know, you heard over and over and over again. Well, it, it's, it's actually one of the key pieces to understanding gratitude. If you can grasp what the gospel is, the, the only way to, to respond or to react to it is, is, is actually an ability to say, I, I don't even know what else to say, but thank you, God. And it's placing yourself in a position to say, I don't know, I don't even know. Just thank you. And so if this is the fitting response, if gratitude is the fitting response to the gospel, why are we struggling with gratitude? And I want to posit that there are thieves that are stealing gratitude from us. And um, I don't know if you've ever had anything stolen from you, but it's actually quite a scary experience. I've had my car broken into, and the feeling that I actually um, came to when I, when I came to my car was I felt violated. Someone had taken um, pictures of my family from my car and thrown them all over the street. And I, I just felt like, are people watching me? I, fear was, had, had set in, and it, it took from me. And that's what these uh, thieves that I want to get into today um, do to this idea of gratitude. So we'll look at four thieves of gratitude. The first one is that we're addicted to grumbling. It's laughable, right? You know, you're guilty though at the same time. So here's, here's what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. He says, put, put it to death. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, past tense, right? When you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You're putting those things away. And what Paul is beginning to do is he's beginning to build a contrast. This is the way things were and here's what they could be in the future. And I think one reason it's so hard to be thankful in our day and age is that we are addicted to complaining. And you know what we are? We're pro at critiquing. I blame like Yelp and Amazon reviews, but we are pro. I don't fill out a review for any other reason to complain, right? I don't know how people do it. It's like five stars. You guys are so incredible. I'm like, why would you waste your time with that? You know, that's a waste. But we, we, we can critique anything. Food. An experience, clothing, vacation, we, we, we like are barely done with the experience and we're already evaluating how it was. I've been watching a lot of the uh, British Baking Championship. There we go. You know, I, it's kind of me. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't bake. Um, to be really candid, I don't cook at all. Um, right, wife? Oh, she's, not, she's not even here. That, maybe, maybe that's a good indication, you know. Okay, there you go. All right. I'm going to sit down. Um, 
But I'm watching this show, and I'm, I'm into it. I'm, like, tensing up. I'm like, oh, my, oh my gosh, no, Henry's cake is better than all of them. Priya needs to go home. I was watching the technical last week, and I'm getting into it. But, but it's also, like, it's changing how I think about food. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I, like, the other day, I'm, like, the, the guy in the show that's, like, really good at critiquing, his name is Paul Hollywood. And the other day, like, I was trying a pastry, and I was like, you know, it's a, it's a bit underbaked. Um, you know, it's like, it's kind of has a soggy bottom. And uh, your flavors are incredible, though. I'm trying to sound like a Brit, but I'm actually sounding Australian. Um, I'm trying. But I don't know what it is now. I evaluate restaurants like I'm giving them Michelin stars. You know, like, that, like it's my job. And I think we have done this so much that we don't even actually realize um, that it, we're becoming addicted to these cycles. And there's actually science to back this up. Throughout your brain, there are uh, a collection of receptors. And whenever you have a thought, uh, a receptor sends a chemical across this empty space to another receptor. And what begins to happen, I'm not like a uh, neuroscientist or anything, but as I've, as I've understood it is you begin to build these pathways and it becomes easier and easier and easier as this grumbling thought comes in and it just builds another bridge. And what happens is grumbling then begins to be very natural for us. And equally true, and we'll, we'll look at this in, this in a little bit, equally true, gratitude actually comes the exact same way. You can actually do the exact same thing with gratitude, but, but for some of us, we're so addicted to grumbling, it's actually our first response is critique. And, and, and for some of us in the room, we have to just pause and we, we have to just allow the Spirit to just, to just get us on this one, to say, you know what, it's, I do that. I, I'm guilty of that. And, and the, the really important thing about this is, is if we're willing to do this with small things, it's going to grow and grow and grow until we find ourselves ungrateful for some of the biggest graces that God has given us in our life. And so key. So what else? What other thieves of gratitude are there? I think uh, really important, this one really hit me this week, is this idea of these feelings of entitlement. Feelings of entitlement. In reading this scripture and other scriptures around gratitude, I began finding that our, you know, very advanced Western modern mind, you know, we actually uh, come to gratitude and it, it's actually a bit unnatural to us. And the reason is, is because we come, we begin from this disposition that we have earned things, that we're entitled to them, and there's a sort of growing discontent in us at all times. And oftentimes we struggle to think about things that we're grateful for because we're positive that we deserved those good things in our life. We worked hard for it, right? I, I, I worked for this. What, I don't have to be grateful to anyone for this thing. And therefore, giving thanks feels irrelevant. Do you guys know this company called Spectrum? You know them? Uh, formerly known as Time Warner Cable. I... I'm convinced, I'm sure they just mergers, acquisitions or something, but I'm convinced that they ditched the name um, because it was synonymous with bad service. And so um, they get you though, right? They get you with those promotional rates. And so just over a year ago, I got locked in $44.99 into their promotional rate. I got my bill, it was $59.99. And I said, uh-uh, nope. I get on the phone determined to lower my rate and I said, hello. My name is Russell, and for some reason, my bill went up. Knowing, knowing fully well why my bill went up, she responds, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Let's see what's going on, also knowing fully well why my bill went up. And she says, well, it looks as though your promotional rate ran out, and you are back to your original contract. And I'm feeling tough, and so I said, well, what's your name? And she said, well, my name is Crystal. And I said, Crystal, what are you and I going to do about this? 
<laughs> and um, is anybody cringing hearing these stories? I know I, and so Crystal, what are we going to do about this? And she, and she says, hold on. She comes back and she says, well, I can get you $5 off. It's going to be $54.99. And I said, well, Crystal, what are we going to do about this? And this is the nice way of saying what I said, but I said, so you're telling me nothing has changed with my internet. It hasn't gotten faster or slower, but you're asking me to spend more money than I have for the last whole year. That's, that's what you're saying? She goes, I apologize, but yes, sir. And I said, man, I feel so bad for you that you have to deal with people like me. And I said, so there's nothing you can do. And she says, well, that's the best that I can do. And I said, oh, okay, have a great day. I get off the phone. I cancel my account a few days later, and I opened up a new one under my wife's name. I did. Deal with that, Spectrum. If you work for Spectrum, I'm sorry. What am I doing, though, in that, in that scenario? Truly, what am I doing? I'm working from a place of entitlement. I think, and, and of course, you and I can sit here and we can agree that the monopolization of companies is not right and that we, we need more competition in the market, all, all of these things. Yes, true. But the actions of my heart and my attitude scream entitlement. And I'm, and actually, ironically enough, if we look at the scripture, what I'm doing is I'm tapping back into old Russell. Like, God, God saved Russell out of that, but Russell's going back to it. And he does that often. And Paul is calling us out of that. And I think what he's doing actually here is he's leveraging gratitude to say, hey, you need to be grateful that you're not back there. And it's drawing us back out. And so uh, it, with this idea of entitlement, uh, Christine Pohl writes a great book, if you're a reader. She writes a book called Living into Community. It's all about what life looks like in community. And she writes this, dissatisfaction as a way of life is encouraged by a consumerist culture that feeds notion, notions of entitlement. We want more and we want better. Better bodies, newer cars, bigger churches, more beautiful homes, finer coffee. Somehow wanting these things morph into the sense that really we deserve them. A cycle of generalized dissatisfaction fuels envy, striving, and buying. In summary of that, the more you feel entitled to, the, the less you'll feel grateful for it. You're not going to feel grateful if you, if you believe that you earned it. So what's next? Thieves of gratitude. We're addicted to grumbling. Number two, we have feelings of entitlement. And I'll be quick here. We're simply too busy. We're simply too busy. Gratitude gets pushed out of our life when our life is full of busyness and responsibility. There's, there's no room for it, right? And the reality is we experience God's gifts when we pause long enough to notice them. They've been there all along, but we are not pausing to notice these things in our life. And we're living in this fast-paced society. We're more anxious than ever, more stressed out than ever. We're on our phones. We're addicted. We're just going, going, going. It's actually uh, one of the things I've loved about meeting in this physical uh, room as a church is, I don't know about you, but I don't get cell service in here. And I, I know it sounds, I, like sometimes it does frustrate me, but most of the time, it's fantastic. I, I can't check my emails. I can't see if I'm losing my fantasy football or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm generally not getting distracted when I'm in here and I'm forced to slow down. And some of us need to slow down to recognize that God has been with us all along, that he's giving us his graces. So let's look at this last one, Thieves of Gratitude. The last one is misaligned priorities. And, and really, I have there, it, it's really idolatry. And I want to show you what I'm talking about here. We look at we look at ingratitude and we think, wow, that's, you know, if someone is, is um, ungrateful to us, we just think, wow, that's really annoying. 
you know, or, or that's really distracting, or that's really un- unpleasant. But what Paul actually tells us is this is um, really dangerous to life and community. And he, here's what Paul says in his letter to the Romans. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Here's what he's saying. Ingratitude is not just a psychological problem. It's not just bad for your emotional health. Paul is actually saying that it's a sin. When you don't look at the giver of all things as someone who gave you those things, it's actually misplacing your trust in something else. That is idolatry. Making something else, a created thing, your God. Well, 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 why is it? Ingratitude is denying God, Genesis 1 and 2, that he created all things. As he looked at all those things, he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. And so what happened? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And look at this connection. This is so fascinating. And they became futile in their thinking. I wonder if that looked like entitlement or they felt like they were owed something and they, they, God has almost given them over to, um, it's, it's what we were talking about before with those receptors bridging the gap. Their minds have just been given over. And I think in, if, we're to, if we're to think about this idea of idolatry, um, that's such a, such a dated word, right? Because idols are these, these things that people have worshipped throughout the centuries that are, that are physical. Ironically enough, um, idols in 2019 are physical as well. They just happen to be sitting in your seat, right? It's you, right? That's 2019. Is this The idol of our time is the individual. And you and I are constantly wavering between belonging and autonomy. And so we say, oh man, I want to be invited to everything. I want to belong and I want to be a part of this great thing. And then what do we say at the same time? I can't show up all the time. You know, I like, you know, they know I have work. I I can't be there. And so we say, I feel, I want to connect to this. I feel a little bit disconnected, but I'm not going to serve. And so we have this like great tension that we're in where we see our world. Of course, we see our world through our own individualistic lens, but rather than joining something and saying, how can I help? And how can I further this thing? We're joining it and we're saying, what can it do for me? And I think this is really one of the most dangerous things that we can do in community with other people. We can show up and we can say, what does this have to do with me? Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He says, if we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we've been placed, even when there's no great experiences, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty, if on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything is so paltry and petty, so far from what we expected, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow according to the measure and riches that are there for us in Christ Jesus. This community is a mess because I showed up. And until we have the ability to say that, this community is a mess because I showed up, then we're not going to be really grasping and we're not going to be grasping and holding on to this idea of gratitude because why? We're stuck with our idol ourselves. And so what do we need to do? How do, how do we move away from these uh, thieves of gratitude and really put it into practice? And I think the first thing that we need to do is that we need to acknowledge that we live between grief and gratitude. If you're reading the scriptures, it, it can be a bit confusing 
sometimes I, I, I used to read the Bible and I would say, okay, I, I need to go read this story about someone to figure out how to do things the right way. And then I would open the Bible and I was like, well, this person's a complete failure, so what am I supposed to learn from, from them, right? And, and it's, it's almost like this is what the Bible does to you sometimes. It's like a good friend coming alongside you, making all of the mistakes and saying, don't do what I did, right? Sometimes when I read the Bible, that's, that's how I, I, I perceive it. And in some ways, maybe, maybe you've even been having a conversation with me in, in your head as I've been, I've been talking. Like, l- listen to what Paul says. He says in verse 15 of our passage, he says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called in one body. And then he just simply says, and be thankful. Well, thanks, Bible. You, you didn't really. Thanks, Paul. You didn't really take into consideration my life circumstances, right? And may- maybe that's what you've been thinking th- this morning. You may be thinking, well, Russell, you're telling me to be grateful, but you don't understand the hardship that I've been going through. Like, you, you don't understand the deep grief that I've been experiencing in this last season. And that, and that, would, be, that would be dead on. That would be, that'd be correct. But Paul is not one unacquainted with hardship. And so he's saying these things. I, I think we'll, we'll take the lesson from him. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 27, um, Paul is a prisoner, and basically he has been um, being passed from government official to government official. Trying, they're trying to find him guilty. And so he's on this ship as a prisoner. And listen to what happens in Acts chapter 27 as Paul is on this, uh, on this boat. He says, as day was about to, bon- uh, to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food. He's like acting as a leader in this group saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of all, uh, all he broke it and began to eat. Then they were encouraged and ate some food for themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship, and when they had eaten enough, they lighten the ship, throwing out the wheat to the sea. Paul is a prisoner, and somehow he's found himself on the ship, breaking bread and saying, God, thank you so much. And I'm thinking to myself, what, is, what does Paul have to be thankful for? He's a prisoner, right? If I'm in prison, you're not getting a thank you letter from me, I promise. What, how, how does he do this? And he does this over and over and over again. If you look at his letters to um, uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians and Ephesians, if you look at those two letters, he's in prison. And how does he open? I give thanks for you. How, how does he do this? Penned in prison. And I think there's something that Paul is showing us. How does he have the audacity to do this? And I think that gratitude and grief actually our attention, but maybe they're closer than we could have ever imagined. Paul even goes as far to say this in 1 Thessalonians. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God, what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to move to this city? Be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And notice he doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. That's, that's not what God, or what Paul is, is saying here. He's saying in the midst of what you're going through, there's something to be grateful for. So back in 2015, Christmas Eve, I was in my car. I had just uh, rolled up to the church I was working at at the time. Uh, we were getting ready to put on um, in um, Christmas service. 
And I got a call from my mom, and she says, I'm sure this is bad timing, but I didn't want you to find out any other way. Your grandma, um, your grandma has died. And um, in one sense, uh, we were all a little bit um, thankful. My grandma had wrestled with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's for eight years. And so the next morning, I, I get up. It's Christmas, and my aunt calls me, and she says, will you uh, officiate the, the funeral? And I said, no, um, I, I just want to grieve, you know, with everyone else. And, and so um, I, I get there, I, and I told them, I said, you know, I can help you find a pastor, and, or, you know, you, you find someone else to do it. And I get there, and they're a bunch of liars. They were like, we couldn't find anyone else. And, <laughs> and I was so mad, but um, at the same time, I, I guess in that moment, um, I didn't realize how much my grandmother's passing had a, had a, would, have, would affect me. And I get there, and I'm finding out that I'm doing it, and I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And I, I sit, I, I write this brilliant message about, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what it was about. Um, but I, I wrote about life and resurrection, the hope that we have. And I get up for the message, and I lean into the microphone, and I lose, I just lose it. And I just lean into the microphone, and I said, Death is stupid, and I just paused, and it was my moment of lament. It was my moment to just grieve, and I'm sure God used that to, I weaved some brilliance out of that or whatever, and I loved my grandma, and I missed her, and I was grieving, and then after I got done sharing, my cousin came up, and he just began to share stories. He, he shared this story about um, when my grandma bought me and him snowboards, and we live in Arizona. And um, she was like gonna take us there, and she shared, he shared stories about how my grandma's a horrible cook, and how she used to uh, eat ice cream and Rolling Rock beer at the same time, um, which is like a horrible combination. And we were just laughing. We were just dying laughing at what my cousin was saying. And my cousin and I, we didn't, we didn't mean to do this, but I, I gave sort of a lament, and, and he gave the gratitude and we found out that they're a really money combo. And I would just say to you, if, if you are um, in a season of grief or if you're having a hard time, may, maybe a component of grief, there's a lot of components to grief. It's, very, it's a very tough process, but maybe one of the components that's missing in the midst of that is gratitude. What, what is it that you can be grateful for? And, and honestly, this is where Christians look so different. Who, who, who can have gratitude in the midst of grief? followers of Jesus, because he raised from the dead and he's promising us the same hope. And so what else do we need? How can we, how can we get this? How can we, how can we have this um, practice of gratitude? And I think that's exactly what we need to do. We need to embrace thanksgiving as a practice. It's something that I was talking before about the nostalgia we sort of feel in our heart. Let's leverage that for actions of gratitude. Um, Tim Keller, a really smart guy, some of you might know him, he says this, it's one thing to be grateful, it's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel, thanksgiving is what you do. And I think that's a really good delineation. How about we go ahead and leverage the feelings that we have and, and let them push us into habits or disciplines of gratitude. In fact, in Jesus' day, there were devout Israelites who would pray uh, the 18 benediction. In 18 benediction, it was three, done three times a day, and the benediction would begin, blessed are you, Lord our God. Blessed are you, Lord our God. 18 times, three times a day, they would repeat this thing over and over again. And sometimes you may look at that and you say, well, like, 
Can we just like skip a few of those? No. It's a habit. You're building up this spiritual discipline, this practice. We're, we're, We're building back the receptors in the brain of gratitude. And we're saying, God, I'm recognizing that this is from you. And so I don't, I don't necessarily know what you need to do with that. I, I wrote a list of a few things that maybe would be helpful. Um, what if you started a note in your phone just called gratitude, and every time you just thought of something that you were grateful for, you just wrote it down, and you just did that for a year, put, put a little marker on your calendar. Uh, what, what if you started a, a journal? I think one of the big things that um, we can do is we can begin to change our vocabulary. Instead of saying we have to do something or we're going to do something, say we get to do something. It's a simple way of gratitude by shifting our vocabulary. We're, that's an action, right? That's something that we can do, and we're pushing ourselves into gratitude. But it begins with us paying attention to the moments, right? It begins with us paying attention to the moments of beauty and the moments of grace around us. And then it can turn into practice. So verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. My wife has been um, taking this verse to heart, that first part, in whatever you do. She, uh, she recently uh, took our daughter um, back to Kansas City, where my wife is from, and uh, she took her to the airport uh, on the bus, uh, on the train, on the bus, on the M60, all the way there. And I was so thankful that um, she survived that journey. It's a long one. Uh, but she uh, was, the bus was running late, and she kept saying, I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it. And she told me that she began to pray. And she began to pray, um, you know, make this bus go faster. When I get there, make the line short, and uh, make Shake Shack have a short line, because she's definitely stopping there. And then she prayed. She told me she prayed for um, seats on the plane, like at least one seat empty next to her. And she, she, as she's praying this, um, it, it's, it's funny to me, uh, she, she did make it, she did get her Shake Shack, she had a whole row to herself, and in, after that she goes, Russell, God is so good to me, and I'm like, you have bad theology. You know, like, I, I know that sounds, that sounds messed up, but I'm like, no, like, yeah, come on, that's like, God couldn't, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm like, I'm telling her these things, and, and as I come to think about it after, I think, I think Katie's dead on. Whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think this is genius, actually. Katie's using small moments, and she says, I don't know if it was you or not, God, but you can have the credit. I, I don't, who cares? It's, you, you, made, you made us who could, who could do all these things. Couldn't you do that? And I think that is so brilliant for us to say, you know what, I'm just going to give God credit for these small moments. And you know what I hope it does? I hope for what it does for us is it amounts to a world of gratitude where we're looking at the bigger picture, the big things in our life. And man, we're going to go through some hard times, but we can do it in the midst of hardship. We can have gratitude. And that's just absolutely beautiful. And so before I wrap up, I actually want to practice a prayer with you. And so uh, if you have something in your lap, fold it up, put it away. If you have your phone, turn it off. Um, let, let's do this together. I wanna, it, it's called the Prayer of Examine. And um, this was started by a Spanish uh, soldier named St. Ignatius of Loyola. And I, th- I think this is just a really great way to um, experience gratitude. And if, if it, it's something for you, that's great. If you want to take it home or write down. Here's the structure um, of the prayer. 
and so we're going to do this together, but first we're um, going to invite the, the Spirit in to have presence. So we're going to become aware of God's presence. We're going to review the day with gratitude. So what we're going to do is um, I'm going to give you a little bit to look back on your day. And then uh, we're going to be paying attention to our emotions over that, that period, the last 24 hours. We're going to ask for forgiveness. Is there a place where you, you were wronged and, and you need to ask, or you, you did wrong and you need to ask for forgiveness? And then we'll look forward to tomorrow. So if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And the first step is presence. God, you're welcome here. Next step is to review the last 24 hours with gratitude. What can you give thanks for in the last 24 hours? What emotions did you experience in the last 24 hours that you just want to be cognizant of? Was there anything in the last 24 hours that um, you did wrong that you need to ask for forgiveness for, either from God or from someone else? And how can you look forward to the next 24 hours? What does God have in store for you? So God, I pray to you that we would be a people full of gratitude. Um, even, even as we walk out of here, we would be reminded of your small ways that you care for us and provide for us. And God, we don't want to be a people that take for granted. We don't want to be a people that are entitled. We don't want to be a people that are known for our grumbling or our complaining. And so I would just ask that you would change us, that you would help us put to death old ways and help us put on the new self. And God, you're so kind to us in the midst of that. You give us so much grace. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen.